City Church Podcast, your home for the latest sermons and audio updates from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at 1211 1st Avenue North on the third floor. So it's um, pumpkin spice latte season. As you know, as troves of people have made their trek to Starbucks to get their pumpkin spice latte, um, and if there's one thing uh, that you can set your watch by, it's that surely the 1st of September brings us pumpkin spice lattes, uh, and it also brings us names being misspelled uh, on the Starbucks cup. Now, as a former Starbucks employee, I want to take just a moment to uh, defend Starbucks and the fact that they get your name wrong nearly every time. First of all, most Starbucks are doing about 100 cups of coffee an hour. If you sort of do the math, that's more than two people a minute. That's a lot of cups. The chances that they get your name right are, are low. Not only that, some of y'all um, have strange spellings in your name, or you have people whose names sound just like yours and are strange spelling. People named Kaylee, I'm looking at you. Because there's 17,000 different ways to spell that name, right? The same thing with an Ashley. I don't know if I've ever met two Ashleys who spelled their names the same way, and yet they are incensed when I spell it with the L-E-I-E-I-G-H-E thing at the end of Ashley, right? It's hard to get everybody's name right. Or let me tell you a little Starbucks secret. Most Starbucks stores have a code name that if you are unkind to the employees, no matter what you say your name is uh, at our Starbucks store, if you were an unkind female, your cup was named Bianca. (laughs) Didn't matter. You could say your name was Charlotte and your pumpkin spice latte would be for Bianca. And when you said, "Uh, no, my name is Charlotte. Oh, I think it's yours. I think we just got the name wrong. It was a signal to everybody else there. This person was not kind to somebody along the way. This is Bianca. Also, Brad um, was the other side of that. I don't know where those came from, but it was just if you got Bianca or Brad, you probably misbehaved somewhere before you got your drink at Starbucks. We love to hear our name called. This is why Starbucks does this. This is part of their, literally part of their business model. You want to hear your name, even if they get it wrong. And so they want to try to do their best to at least say it out loud the right way. Why? Because names, our names are significant. Our names are meaningful. Whenever we name our kids, whether it's we just really like the way that that name sounds, whether that's we want to name our kids after something important or significant in our lives, whatever it is, they're meaningful. This is why when people get our names wrong, we are mostly quick to correct them. Somebody says, hey, Jessica. No, I'm not Jessica. I'm Jennifer. Sorry, my bad. It's almost habitual when they get our names wrong. We correct them. Names are meaningful. This is also why in Parks and Recreation, the running joke of Gary, Jerry, Larry, Gergich um, was such a significant joke. They, no one ever got his name right. It's a running joke. We're frustrated when people don't get our names right. Especially somebody that should know our name by now. Maybe uh, Shakespeare's more speed What did What did Juliet say about Romeo? Oh, would that you would doff your name. Would that you would just get rid of your name so that we could be
be together. Whatever it is, our names are significant because your name is shorthand for who you are as a person. When I say your name, it calls to mind all who you are to me. When I'm saying your name to somebody else, it calls to mind all of It's not just a set of sounds that are associated with you. No, it is the way that we mark out you as a person. And in so many ways, the same is true with God. God's name is significant because of who He is. Because it stands in for all that God is. And so this week, as we walk through the Lord's Prayer, we come to the first request. The first request, which is, Hallowed be your name. Now this is a little bit difficult for us. It's one of the most difficult ones for us to wrap our minds around. One, because it uses a strange word, Hallowed, right? Secondly, because it talks about God's name. And so if we put this together, we understand the idea of having our debts forgiving, of forgiving others their debts against us. I got that, right? I even understand a little bit God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Like that can make some sense to me. But what we start out with is something that's a little bit harder for me to grasp. Hallowed be your name. We haven't used a sentence like that in a long time. If you have, well, let's talk afterwards because I think you'd be a fascinating person to talk to, but because nobody talks like that. So, what does it mean? How do we hallow God's name? To hallow means that it is to be worshipped, to be set apart, and to be lifted up. When we say hallowed be your name, we're saying that God's name should be praised. It should be lifted up, and it should be set apart as holy. And what's interesting is, is that this is the first request of the Lord's Prayer. When we said the Lord's Prayer just a few minutes ago, if you were thinking about it when you were saying it, most of us associate hallowed be your name with the very beginning. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we think of it as a statement. God, you are in heaven. Your name is praised. But that's not what this is doing. This is a request. This is saying, our Father in heaven, may your name be hallowed. May your name be praised and lifted up. And so as we look at this, what we begin to see is that this is us requesting that God's name be worshipped. And if that's going to happen in the earth, it has to first start with us. But what's true of you and what's true of me is this. We don't worship God because we don't find Him to be valuable. We don't worship God because we don't find Him to be valuable. What we're doing uh, as we walk through the Lord's Prayer is not just reading one passage of the Bible, but reading several that point to what we're doing. So I'd ask that you would stand, and we're going to read several passages together, some from Habakkuk, some from the book of Revelation, some from the 150th Psalm. So uh, follow along with me as I read. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. 
And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to the excellence of his greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with a lute and harp. Praise him with a tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with the sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. City Church, this is the word of God written 2,000 years ago and intended for us this morning. You may be seated. As we think about the first request of the Lord's Prayer, that God's name be praised around the world, we're face to face with the fact that we don't even do this well. Those of us who are Christians do not even praise God well. And it's because we don't see God as valuable. I think there's three ways that we don't see God as valuable. I think the first way, as I think about the reasons that we don't truly praise God, is because, frankly, we're just not paying attention. We just don't pay attention to the world around us. It's interesting, this morning we were talking uh, in the lobby about a restaurant that will not serve you. The, the waiters and waitresses won't serve you unless your phone is in your pocket and away. I think that's an interesting concept for a restaurant because what are most of us doing with most of our lives these days? We are scrolling away. What's going on? What's happening out there? Scrolling away. And we miss so much of what is going on around us because when we don't pay attention to the world around us, we miss the beauty of God. Think about this in nature. How many times do we just sort of ignore everything that's going on around us? What is it that the penguins are saying as they march across the ice caps? What is the song that the whales sing to one another in the depths of the ocean? Maybe here in Florida, maybe here in St. Pete. Let's make it more of what we see in here. What do the cicadas sing to one another? I mean, how often do we take cicadas for granted? It is literally the white noise of being outside in Florida. And yet those cicadas are screaming at the top of their lungs. They don't actually use lungs. Don't quote me on that. I don't science, but it's they're beating two parts of their body together. But what are they saying as they beat those two parts of their bodies together, as they make that low resonance hum, what the cicadas are saying, what the whales are singing to one another, what the penguins are saying to one another is glory to God in the highest. Every creature that has breath is praising God. And yet we are annoyed by the parrots the flocks of parrots that fly around St. Petersburg because they're loud and noisy, because we're not paying attention to what they're actually saying. They're actually calling out to God, saying, God, you are beautiful. Hallowed be your name. And instead of joining them, our response is, the parrots again in my neighborhood, so loud. They just go away. 
We are quick to ignore the way that the world around us is praising God. And we're quick to distract ourselves. How many of us have a time at night that by X time at night, whether that's when the kids are in bed, whether that's when my office stops calling, whether that's when I'm back home from the gym and I've eaten dinner, we have this time where it's like, okay, it's time for me to shut my brain down. I'm going to put on Netflix. I'm going to pull out my phone. I'm going to see how many bubbles I can pop between now and when I fall asleep. And we're really quick to distract ourselves. And not only do we distract ourselves, but, but we are quick to make everything into a joke. One of the hard parts that, that we live in, one of the, the things that our culture struggles with right now is there is literally nothing sacred. What cannot be made into a meme? Everything can be. This is, we're two weeks now into the football season, and most of you um, probably have opinions one way or the other on, on Colin Kaepernick and Nike's advertising. I'm not getting into that, um, but what I am want to talk, what I do want to say is, isn't it funny how many people have made jokes and memes about the Colin Kaepernick and Nike advertisement? Whichever way you feel about that, you probably feel strongly, and yet what are we quick to do? We're quick to make sure that nothing makes us approach the sacred. So even something as significant as that, we are quick to make jokes out of and put other people's faces and whatever slogan we want to on that. Nothing in our life, nothing in our culture is sacred. And so we don't pay attention to anything around us. We're distracted because we don't want the silence in our life. We're distracted because we are selfish. I am more concerned with myself than I am anything else. Why do I want to pop bubbles on my phone? Why do I want to put on Netflix? Why do I want to drown my mind with whatever habits you have? It's because I'd rather turn inward then open my eyes and pay attention to the way that God is working around us, to the way that creation is singing to God around us. I am ultimately self-centered. And the reason I don't worship God is because it is easier, more comfortable, more convenient to worship myself. To make myself the middle of the universe, to make myself the thing that should be hallowed. And when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name, by definition, we are asking that God would lift our eyes up from ourselves to see the world around us, to stop distracting ourselves and turning ourselves inward, to look up and to look around because God's name is being hallowed. This prayer is being answered, even in the cicadas. But I'm more concerned about me. Another reason that we don't value God is because we think that that praise 
that, that lifting up God's name is just sort of an add-on. It's an also. It's something that's nice to do. As Christians, yeah, that's, that's nice. And if you're good at it, great. You know what? Singing at church, that's it's kind of optional. It's like, it's like going to a Mumford & Sons concert. Right? If you go to a Mumford and Sons concert, most people are going to be singing. It's kind of the way they work, but not everybody is. Same is true for those of you of another generation with Dashboard Confessional, right? This is a sing-along type of thing, but not everybody's singing. Church is kind of like that. You know, some people are singing, some people aren't. No big deal. Who cares? It's just a nice add-on. Or maybe... It's just a way for you to think that you can get God's attention. Ah, yes. If I sing, God will love me. And we begin to try to earn God's love from it. I want to stop for just a second and and talk to those of you who are here who, who are not Christians. I will admit fully that singing is probably the weirdest thing for somebody who is not a Christian to come and hear and experience at church. Because because we have a concept of somebody standing in front of everybody else and talking about things, right? TED Talks are everywhere. They used to be a big deal, and now it's like it's the local South St. Pete Northern Quadrant TED Talk conference. It's like that's literally 50 people. No, it's a TED Talk, right? We, we, have, we make jokes. Again, nothing sacred. So what do we say? Uh, thanks for coming to my TED Talk, right? We punctuate our statements with that. But we have a concept for somebody standing up and talking to everybody else. We even have a concept of like ritual eating, right? Communion, you may think at first, oh, communion's got to be the weirdest thing about the church. And when you really start to understand it, it probably is. But on the surface, we understand the idea of sort of ritually eating with one another. How? Well, we all have the idealized version of the family dinner, don't we? And not only that, we all have this, this sort of idea of what it's like to go to a fancy restaurant and go to like a a tasting menu night at a fancy restaurant where there's five courses and each is paired with a a wine from a different vineyard or whatever. We understand, but where in our lives do we go somewhere and sing together? That doesn't exist. That That is definitely when you look at the church One of the strangest parts, and I think one of the reasons why, is because most of us are very self-conscious about our singing. In one of two ways. Either we're really bad. This is me, right? Like, I'm awful. Like, really bad at singing. And so I think, oh, I shouldn't sing because I'm going to ruin it for everybody else. Right? So I'm just not going to sing, and I'm super self-conscious. Or, you're really good. Right? There are some of you, I, I can hear you, who are very good at singing. And you're very interested in everybody else knowing that you're very good at singing. You're very interested in making sure all the people around you hear, oh, well, doesn't she have a lovely voice? But what's funny is, whether we're too concerned with everybody else hearing us, because we think we're not good enough or because we think we're really good, both of those show that at the end of the day, even in worship, even in Christian worship, what we're still most concerned about in that moment is 
myself. It's me. Not only am I selfish in the way that I distract myself, but I'm selfish in the way that I approach worship. And yet God says, no, my name will be set apart. My name will be praised. Worship is fundamental to who we are as Christians. It's not an add-on. It's not a bonus. It's not something that you have to be gifted to do. No, worship is fundamental to who we are. Uh, One um, old catechism says it like this. What is the, the chief end of man? What is the main goal of humanity? The main goal of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Our main goal in life is ultimately to worship and enjoy God. It's not an add-on. You see, one of the reasons why the Christian church worships every week is that worship is a way to retune our hearts. You know, it's interesting, um, on Sunday mornings, especially when there's two guitars up here, the band will practice, and then when they're done, they'll go through and they'll retune to one another again. Why? Because as you're playing a guitar, it goes out of tune. That's what guitars do, right? There's a lot of stress on them. And so, before they go ahead and worship again, they take the time to retune, to refocus, to re-understand what the sounds are doing together. Church, worship, for us who are Christians, forms who we are. You want to know how you are changed week after week? Worship is what forms us. You want to know how you begin to hallow God's name on Monday to Friday? It's by what you do on Sunday morning. Worship is the retuning of our soul to the song that the penguins are singing. Worship is the realigning our lives and our hearts to the mission that God is already on. And in all of those cases, what worship requires of us is for us to stop thinking about ourselves. To stop being worried about ourselves. And start looking outside of ourselves. Because ultimately, the reason we don't worship is because we don't find God valuable. And the reason we don't find God valuable is because we don't think the gospel is actually a big deal. We don't think the message of Jesus is actually a big deal. We think we kind of maybe need Jesus a little bit. Maybe I've got a hard situation. I've got some people that that are frustrating me. I kind of need Jesus. People who kind of need Jesus will kind of worship. People who desperately need Jesus will beautifully worship. Worship is not only what forms us, but it's a picture of what's going on in your heart and mind. Because without love, worship is impossible. You won't worship if you don't love. Think about that in your daily life. How many of you have a favorite restaurant here in St. Pete? All of you, because there's lots of great restaurants and it's fantastic. When people ask you, when somebody comes into town and says, where should I go to eat? 
all y'all got opinions. Right? All of you have things that you want to tell other people about. Why? Because you love those places. Because you love the idea of a pad thai burrito. Right? This, is, this is unlike anything else in the world. I love pad thai. I love burritos. You should go to Nidalee's. Why are we so happy to tell other people about that? Because we love it. Why do we tell people the best burger you're, uh, you're ever going to eat is at engine number nine? You should go eat there. It's incredible. Right? Why? Because we love it. And if we love something, we are happy to tell other people about it. We are happy to worship it. Ultimately, our willingness to be self-forgetful comes from our understanding of the beauty of Jesus. You see, because the cross of Jesus is the beauty of Jesus. Because Jesus on the cross dies for you. And not dies for you in this sort of esoteric, big picture kind of Jesus dies for everyone. No. When Jesus was on the cross, one of the things that the Bible tells us is that our names were etched onto his Hands. This is drawing on the, on the picture that we're given in the, in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, when the priest would go before God, he wore a breastplate that had the names of the people of the tribes of Israel on it. He wasn't going in representing everybody. He was going in representing these people. When Jesus died on the cross, your name, your name was graven onto his hands by the nails. Your name was written on his heart as he breathed his last breath. Jesus died for you by name. And that becomes the beauty of Jesus. That even though you haven't worshipped him as you should, because you've been self-centered, because you've been distracted, because you've wanted to ignore so many things, even though you've done all of those things, even though you haven't hallowed God's name. He has loved you and your name. And what happens as we believe this is it changes us. It's interesting. Uh, St. Augustine said, we imitate what we adore. The thing that you adore, the thing that you worship, is what you are going to imitate. And so as we begin to worship Jesus, guess who we begin to imitate? Jesus. And in that, we begin to find great freedom and great joy because our chief purpose is not just to worship, but rather our worship is connected to enjoying God. Let's pray.